Welcome, welcome, welcome into the QC Hornet's Nest, a new podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone, and each week we'll have the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I want to thank you guys for joining me again this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed last week's episode, and uh, you know, it was one of those things where it was kind of crazy because you know the Hornets were on this West Coast trip. And we weren't sure it was going to happen. And here we are over a week later since the first episode. And since then, you know, they had basically essentially lost five games in a row, lost the first four at West Coast Row Swing before getting that big, humongous win in Memphis on Wednesday night to kind of help themselves feel a little bit, feel a little bit better about themselves going into the game against the Knicks to start our four game homestand on Friday night. But man, what a trip it was. And I was on the California swing, uh, for essentially an entire week. And it was really interesting just kind of the, to, to be around a team, obviously, and kind of just see exactly how they were trying to figure out the next step in their growth. And the horns got to that great five and one start. You know, we all know that was a franchise best five and one start. You know, they were on top of the Eastern Conference after six games. And, you know, they were looking really good. But it, it was weird. It seemed like once Terry Rozier kind of came back, you would have thought that it actually would have made them even better. But it's kind of made things a little more helpless skeleton because they got to still figure out all their roles. And it wasn't really until a little bit of Clippers game, probably this fourth quarter or so against the Clippers, where they eventually kind of, started getting things going and, you know, eventually then they lost it and went overtime and lost that game. Then they played better against the Lakers. It was like the second part of that road trip is where they kind of started figuring it out again because before then, they just weren't playing, you know, like they should have. And it seemed like one guy was hot and one guy was cold. You know, Miles Bridges was playing really well and, you know, maybe Terry Rozier wasn't. You know, LaMelo Ball was playing, playing really well. Maybe Gordon Hayward wasn't, you know, um, so things of that nature. And then even Kelly Oubre, you want to throw him in the mix. He didn't have essentially a, a great trip. Um, he didn't have a great game in, in Golden State going back there. Uh, obviously he's something that he wanted to really do and kind of show those guys that, you know, I, I should have kind of still been around there with you, but things didn't work out, but whatever. Um, but then he really got it going with, a 37-point effort against Memphis to come off the bench at, and get a franchise record most points scored by reserve was something the Hornets really, really needed. Because could you imagine if they would have come back home and start this four-game um, home homestand and, you know, you would have lost essentially six games in a row after your great start? I mean, that would have been one of those things where it would have been an interesting atmosphere um, to kind of see how things kind of move forward from there because the Hornets' expectations have been raised dramatically, as we know. The fan interest has increased. Um, I don't even want to say tenfold. It's probably putting too low a number on it, but it's gotten to a point where the fans are really um, involved and kind of just want to see what's going to happen with this team. You know, LaMelo Ball has transcended the franchise and – kind of linked this team to 
international heights and the Hornets are being watched by many people. Um, and it's interesting to kind of see just how after every game, there's this fashion sometimes of people who um, think they have all the answers. So none of us have all the answers. Um, James Borrego, um, you know, as a head coach, he kind of should have a lot of the answers. The players should have a lot of the answers. But sometimes it's not as easy as that. We would like to be able to just go and, and and figure it all out. But sometimes it's about just going out there and just playing these games and seeing what happens at, at the end of them and kind of getting something going. So... All right, well, now it's time for our mailbag. I kind of appreciate you guys uh, sending the questions to me when I reached out to you on Twitter to kind of see if anybody had something they wanted to kind of ask and wanted me to answer. So I appreciate you guys definitely sending your questions to me. We're going to try to keep this actually interactive and keep it going and actually make it hopefully better next few weeks here once we get a couple of things kind of ironed out. But definitely thank you for your questions. And the first question is comes from at the Pope Jason on Twitter. And he says, who breaks into the lineup first, James Booknight or Kai Jones? And I selected that question because I got a lot of inquiries about James Booknight. So let's kind of take this question and kind of break it down real quick. James Booknight is right now on the outside looking in the rotation, as obviously is Kai Jones. And if you ask me who will get into the lineup first, I probably would say, in some weird way, I, I feel like it could be Kai Jones. And it's weird saying that because I think Book Knight is probably the quote unquote more ready player, but there's not a spot for him right now amongst the guards uh, in terms of rotations. If you notice the last couple of games, Vince Borrego has not played Ish Smith the last two games of the West Coast trip against the Lakers um, and also against uh, you know Memphis. And so it's one of those things where he got a couple of DMPs in a row. And right now, I think the rotation is kind of being tightened in that regard. So I think the guard rotation is kind of set because you also have Cody Martin on the wing who's playing well and is a defensive presence out there. And when a team like the Hornets, who you know, are ranked last in defense, needs somebody to kind of go out there and help them on defense, they're bringing Cody Martin and his offense has improved dramatically this year. So he makes him a little bit of a better option to put him out there over James Booknight. Doesn't mean Book won't get his playing time at some point this year. Um, Cause you know, injuries, et cetera, stuff will happen. But right now I just don't see him getting in there. And Kai Jones, I only say possibility of him because center position right now, as we know, has been just not good. To, to, to put it, you know, completely honest. And right now they have to kind of improve there. And it seems like Nick Richards is giving them a nice little presence at that point, coming in, being a nice guy who can kind of go to the bucket and finish in terms of just dunking the ball. He's been a rim presence, rim protector. He's rebounded. He's blocked shots. He's done uh, a solid job, but just not sure if you can give him you know, stars minutes, I guess, right now, just yet. And I asked James Borrego about it a couple of day, games back, and he mentioned Mason Plumlee as a starter, but Nick Richards may get more playing time. So I think the only way Kai Jones or, or James Booknight gets into the game is if something in terms of the guys ahead of him happens where the rotation assembly, just something funky happens. 
But right now, I just don't see him getting in there. But eventually, they're both going to get their turn. I'm just not right now. I spoke recently with Hall of Fame coach Tom Izzo, Michigan State's own, about former protege Miles Bridges. As you guys may know, Miles has been with the team longer than anybody. Yes, anybody. And he's having a great breakout season so far for the Hornets. He's becoming one of the most exciting young players in the NBA, for sure. I had a great convo with Coach Izzo about Miles' development as a forward, his growth and maturation, and how his time at State helped him. So, are you ready? Okay, let's go. Surety-wise, what have you seen from him um, from, you know, when he came from Michigan State as a rookie to here now as a year four? Well, I do see him maturing some. He was, he was back here a couple weeks ago, and um, like everybody does, everybody matures some, you know, especially when they're coming out as freshmen and sophomores. There's a lot of room for maturity. We all think at 20 we're men, and most of us know that uh, probably doesn't have until 23, 24, and right now he's probably, what, 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I, I think uh, experience gets you some of that and just maybe uh, – figuring out what to do, what not to do. I know when he was back, I told him I thought he was a little heavy for situation, but uh, he said, yeah, I got some, uh, you know, I got some weight to lose now and get back in perfect shape. And I think he's talking the right things. You know, I think he feels they're going to be better as a team. And uh, and now you get into, you know, you, you make money at first and that kind of, takes up everything mm-hmm. and then you kind of realize that if you're a competitor you're still about winning and i think that's where miles is you know i mean i i know he came back here his second year to try to win a championship we went 31 and 5 whatever and we didn't do it but that's what he came back for and and that's what i always loved about the kid i thought he was not selfish in any way shape or form but i think you get to the NBA, money changes everybody, including me. Mm-hmm. And I think you had to learn how to adapt to that and then realize that, you know, as much as making money's good, uh, you're in this to accomplish personal goals. And some of those personal goals is how you play and how your team does. And I think he's he's starting to do that from what I can see. Well, you uh, you mentioned this back there at State. Uh, I talked to him and his mom a little bit about that, and they both mentioned that at State, he feels like that kind of paved the way to kind of um, put him in a spot to where he's at right now in terms of knowing what to do. He mentioned how you guys practice very hard there at State. Just yeah. what about his time there? How do you feel his time there overall in the program and just what you help prepare for where he is right now in the NBA? Well, I think one of the things, Rod, that is really important, you know, these kids never fail anymore. You know, they fail, they just move on mm-hmm. or they transfer now or – they also, if they fail, they change teams and, you know, uh, whether it's high school, it seems like you never can fail. You know, mm-hmm. his freshman year, he came in with everything and we lost three, six, nine guys. And we were just kind of an average team, you know, one that maybe wouldn't have made the playoffs. And I think he helped fight us through to getting there. So he learned what it's like to go through some adversity, you know. And, and the second year for him to come back, when I thought he was leaving, I don't know why he never told me he was, but I just assumed. <laughs> uh, what a great surprise! Wake up, it was like uh, Christmas in May, you know, and uh, March. And uh, I, uh, I said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> you know? And 
you know, you get a lot of kids and when they come back, they got their foot half in or half out, you know, because most kids really aren't ready to come out. I mean, Miles, there's there's two kinds of being ready, I think, you know, or three, you know, are you good enough? And that's, of course, one. Are you strong enough to go into that league, you know? Mm-hmm. And then are you mature enough? And I think he was good enough and strong enough. And I thought he was a pretty mature kid. But, I mean, he, we all know he had ways to go. I talked to his coach a couple times those first two years. And I thought his coach was great, to be honest with you. You know, anytime a pro coach calls you to to talk about, you know, how he can help make him better. And uh, that, that impressed me. And so I think he's in a good spot. I think he's, uh, you know, by going through a little bit of adversity here in that first year and then and then learning his second year that, uh, you know, we were really good, too, and we got upset in the tournament, you know, and mm-hmm. which happens. And I think it makes him realize that, uh, you know, life's not always fair. You got to each and every day, you got to earn what you earn. And uh, I think he's going to be ready to take that next step now. Can he be more of a leader on that team? Can he? Can he make winning a priority again? Because I'll never forget when he told me he's coming back, I said, why? And he said, uh, I want to win a championship. And I said, uh, bad reason. He said, what? I said, Miles, you, you know, I've been there. I've won one. I've been the eight final fours. You, you got to be good enough, but you got to be so lucky, you know, injuries and this and that. You just got to be lucky, you know, in mm-hmm. college ball where you're one and done. It's different than in pro ball when it's best of seven. And uh, so I said, that's not a good reason. And he said, well, I also, I think I need to get better. I want to get better. You know, he had some buddies in the G League. He just did not want to play in the G League. I don't think he spent the day in the G League, has he? <laughs> no, he hasn't. He has not. And that was one of his goals. Now, how many kids think like that? You know, he could have got the same money. And uh, that really impressed me. I said, you know what? That's a good reason. God bless you. And I think I hugged and kissed him because I figured my life's going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. He's become a leader. Uh, his, his mom said that he was a follower, I guess, in high yeah. school and stuff. And she told him and his sister told him, like, don't be a follower. What about have you seen him become more leader? To, 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 what about that part of his, his growth as a, as a person? Well, you know, unfortunately, when you don't get to see him on a daily basis, it's harder to tell. But I know when he was up here, just the humbleness and the and listening to him, you know, hey, we're going to be better this year. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. You know, winning has become what's important. And and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think you and I would be any different. You know, you go from having no money in your life to all of a sudden making millions. Mm-hmm. And it sort of encompasses part of your who you are for a year or two. And then you start getting back the reality of, you know, this is great, but I got more things to accomplish, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he is. And I, I, I do think that, uh, I mean, he's, he's definitely tough enough, strong enough. He, you know, I don't know if you know this, Rod, but he couldn't jump till he got to Michigan state. So I coached the shit out of him. To do that, <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're a reason, he, huh? Uh, <laughs> Now, you know, he's got that ability, but I think he's getting better, you know, his shot. He's getting better as a rebounder. He's getting hopefully better as a defender. You know, I mean, you know, Miles is capable of being one of those six, 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 seven guys that 
can do multi-dimensional things. And I think when you have versatility at that strength, and, he, and he's smart too. And Miles is a smart kid. He's not some knucklehead. He's He's got intelligence. And he's got basketball intelligence. So I think now if he really starts taking care of all his business, he could go from really good to great and maybe someday even elite. You know, you never know. You're right. I mean, his versatility is, is, is a big part of what he does. How did you see that part of his game, being able to play more than one spot on the floor, how did you see that evolve at State to kind of um, get him to where he's at now? Because as you know, in the NBA, you can play more than one spot, guard more than one spot. You can last for a long time if you play well. Well, I think you just hit the million-dollar phrase. You know, play more than one spot is one thing, but guard more than one spot. Mm-hmm. And I think he's capable of guarding two, threes, fours, you know. And if there is a numbering system in this day and age of no-position basketball, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. One of the things that happened, you know, he came there as a, th- came here as a three man kind of a guard wing guy, you know, and improved his shooting a lot. And then we had all those injuries and he had to play some four. So he was, a, you know, at times a little undersized back then. And, and yet uh, his strength and ability to guard different people. And I think the way the NBA does it now with switching and everything, that was almost the, blessing in disguise that we lost all those big guys you know he had to figure out how to play different positions and how to guard different positions so the negative became a positive then the next year we got Jaron Jackson who was our power forward and and Miles could get back to his regular position but this day and age now two three years later it seems like uh, you know a lot of teams are playing small they're playing big so I think Miles could play the three four two whatever in in pro ball and i think his ability as he continues to get better defensively his ability to uh to switch like they do so much of in the nba strong enough to cover a bigger guy athletic enough to cover a smaller guy and i couldn't agree with you more rod that that's how you uh stay in the league a long time because versatility is a spice of life kind of it's big. I mean, you mentioned JB yeah. calling you. I mean, JB is a good guy. I, I know him well. I talk to him a lot. Obviously, covering the team every day. Um, you mentioned, like I said, when a pro coach pro coach calls you to just ask what what can he do to get more out of a player who you coach in college. I mean, you mentioned how rare is that. What does that say about just, I guess, how great he wants Miles to be with the Hornets? Well, that's what I was really impressed with JB. I mean, you know, I, I really am. He, he um, I've had like two pro coaches call me. You know, and uh, and really ask, you know, in-depth questions after they've had him a year or two or, hey, he's struggling. You know, what did you do to get him through it? And what did I – I mean, that's pretty cool because that's kind of what I would do. You know, I might call kids' parents. I might call his best friend. I might call his high school coach. You know, I, I think that means that you're playing for someone who is egoless and uh, – uh, and I think that's a perfect thing for Miles, you know, because, hey, like all guys, he can be a pain in the butt, too, sometimes. You <laughs> right. know? I mean, everybody, everybody's everybody. I mean, so can I. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it. But I think you could always coach Miles hard. And yet I think you could also put your arm around him. And and, uh, and, and he had some really good things uh, to say or do. So... I, I think that's why, you know, I really like to see that team take a big step because I, I am impressed by the coach. And, of course, I love Miles. So those that's a double good reason for them to do really well. And I 
I hope and pray that that happens. Well, just a, a couple, just one or two more. One of them is you mentioned uh, the team overall, LaMelo Ball. I'm sure you've seen him play. Him and Miles have this crazy synergy. And Miles mentioned Cassius Winston and playing with Cassius yeah. and how he feels like LaMelo's like Cassius. Do you see any of that? And how, I guess as a coach, how much do you admire from afar when somebody comes in their first year as a rookie like, like, like the LaMelo Ball did, him and Miles have kind of a, a great synergy out there on the court. It just it seems like it's kind of rare, no? Well, Ball, you know, I got to see him some in high school because they recruited a kid off his team, and uh, I am amazed. I mean, I thought he was really good then, but I think he's taken it to a whole other step, and they'll do that in pro ball. Now, I will I'll say one thing that isn't, uh, you know, uh, the one neat thing about Miles is uh, I could throw some of those passes because if you get him anywhere up in the air, he can go get it. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say I had a kid named Shannon Brown and Miles Rich Jason Richardson. I said, those guys are point guards deletes because sometimes you got to put it right on the money. But Miles, you can put it left, right, in between. But but Paul is really good. And, and they do have a good synergy because I think – I think on the other side of it, Ball knows Miles is going to go get it. So right. he, so there's a comfort level of, you know, just throw it and not have to uh, thread it, if that makes any sense to you. You know, uh, he can go get a ball that's not perfect. And I, uh, I really think that that could be a hell of a combination in the future. Uh, just last thing, how much as a, as a, almost like, a, I guess, a proud dad, when you look upon Miles now and, and again, where he's come from to where he's at now, you got a ways to go. He's, he's, yes. like I said, very humble guy. You yes. know, he hasn't made it, nothing like that. Um, it's a big year for him because he has to get a contract after this year. It's his fourth year in the league. You know how that works. So, yeah. um, just, but how much do you kind of just at times when you're able to and not busy coaching or recruiting, just sit back and watch guys like him, um, kind of grow and just know you had a part and get them to where they are in, 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 in the NBA. Well, you know, I, I I am proud. I'm proud of him because I, I think for the most part, as you say, you know, he's still got to grow. It's a, it's a wicked league, meaning you got to be so good and there's so many distractions mm-hmm. in that league. And his mother stays up with me all the time and his sister, you know, they're – they're always telling me, I mean, she's still on him all the time about everything, mm-hmm. you know, which which has helped him, I think, believe it or not. But I think you said something that I still respect about Miles as much as just about any player I've had. And a very humble guy, you know, he was, I mean, can you imagine riding in the back of a car? We're going up to see his mother talking about whether he should come out and go pro or not. And he says, coach, I, I really don't want to, I'm, 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 I almost drove my car off the road. I said, what the hell are you talking about? You know? <laughs> I thought you were gone. You know? And, and it, the maturity of I want to get better. I like my teammates. I enjoy it here. I mean, um, in that respect, Miles Bridges is a guy I talk to, to, to people about every day. And his comment about I need to get better and I don't want to, I, I don't want to spend any time in the G League. I mean, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, or anybody else looks at it as that, that is a pretty mature statement for a 19 or 20 year old at the time to say, you know, and then to exercise that and actually accomplish it, I think tells you a little bit about miles, you know, so winning was important. Getting better was important. That wasn't me. That was him. And I just happened to be part of the recipient of that. And for that, a lot was pulled for miles because I'm, I'm grateful that I use him 
in recruiting to today. You know, I said, it's not about just getting to the NBA. It's putting yourself in a position that you can be successful and get more than one contract in the NBA. And I think that's why Miles looked at it. And uh, during a time when I don't think a lot of people looked at it that way. So I, uh, I love the kid. He's, uh, you know, he's, He's a good kid. He's taking care of his family. You know, he's taking care of his mom. He's, mm-hmm. he's been a guy that uh, comes back. You know, he came back for a grind week and stays in touch with our guys. And uh, I don't know. He's just one of those guys that humility and egoless are a big part of him. And anybody that has the athletic ability of him and came from where he came from and is still humble enough to appreciate things. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I love that. So I just want to thank Coach Izzo for really just giving me a moment of his time, man. He was really just great to talk to, and I just really enjoyed my conversation with him. And I hope that you guys were able to kind of take a little bit out of that and what you learned, if anything, in terms of figuring out a little bit about Miles and just where he's at and his growth. Hope that you guys were able to get a little bit out of conversation and kind of, you know, just get a little bit more insight into what Miles is all about. So now let's just look at what the Hornets kind of have going next here in the next few weeks or so. They come up this long road trip, five games. They're getting ready to go essentially on a four-game homestand right now, beginning with Friday night's game against the Knicks. The Knicks are struggling. A team that started off the season just like the Hornets, pretty hot. But right now have cooled off and uh, have a couple of question marks on their starting five going to this game on Friday. So after that game, the Hornets – uh, continue the homestand with a game on Sunday against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. And we know how difficult that was going to be because that actually is the first game of a, I believe, five-game road trip for the Warriors, if I'm not mistaken, um, coming up starting on Sunday. So you look at it in that regard, the Hornets have to be able to get one of these first couple of games here. And then the tail end of the homestand, it gets slightly easier because, you know, you have – the Pacers, um, you know, on a Friday night. But before that, though, you have the Wizards, who actually are leading the division going into this weekend's action and are actually at the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference. So Washington has been playing really well, and the Hornets are going to face them twice, like the next week and a half or so, because you got to face them at home on Wednesday in the third game in his homestand. Then after that, they face them the following Monday on the road in D.C. in the game, which should be another good game, crucial game for the Hornets because right now they're one and one in division play, and you want to be able to kind of get these divisional games and make sure that when it comes tiebreaker time that you kind of have these games kind of in your pocket. So the Hornets have to find a way to get it together and at least split at minimum this four-game homestand going into what's going to be – um, another kind of road heavy part of schedule toward the end of the month when they have to face um, the Hawks in Atlanta. Again, Washington, they have to go to D.C. and face the Wizards. They have to actually go to Orlando and play Houston and also play Chicago. So, and Milwaukee going through, you know, December 1st. So, the Hornets have a lot of road games coming up. So, it's important for them to take care of this homestand beginning this week with Friday's game against the Knicks.
now we had a little bit of a look ahead to kind of see where the Hornets may be going potentially this next week or so here with this homestand. Let's take a look back for a second to the Lakers game and just what happened in that um, that night out in Los Angeles. You know, they were able to kind of be out there and kind of watch LaMelo do his thing. It was kind of one of those games where his stats were piling up and you kind of saw it happening. Like, wait a minute, before we look, he's on a triple-double alert. He actually had a triple-double, as most of you know. And the thing about it, though, is he's just basically the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double with at least 25 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. Again, he's the youngest player in NBA history at 20 years old to record a triple-double with at least 25 rebounds, excuse me, 25 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists. He's also just, just, just the second player in franchise history with 25 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game, joining Larry Johnson, yes, LJ himself. He's just the eighth player in NBA history to notch multiple triple doubles before even turning 21 years old. So to sum it up, LaMelo Ball has been playing incredible. He had a little bit of a couple of hiccups there again with his foul trouble and, and things and trying to close things out in the fourth quarter. But anybody who watches him knows the talent is there. It's more about just making sure it's, it's harnessed properly and developed properly. But when you hear those kind of statistics, it just shows you once again, LaMelo Ball can be a really good player for a long time. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the QC Hornets Nets. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And for a special subscription offer, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right. Until next time, we out.